0: I am really proud of today's guest, uh, Noah Tishby, who – to say she's an activist for Israel and for the Jews is an understatement. Um, She's the former special envoy for combating anti-Semitism and delegitimization of Israel, author of an incredible book, Israel, A Simple Guide to the Most Misunderstood Country on Earth. Um, she's recently back from Israel where she met with, uh, released hostages, families of hostages that are still in captivity, uh, Israeli president. Um, she's a former, uh, served in the IDF herself. Uh, and she's an important, important voice, uh, particularly since October 7th. And Noah, first of all, thank you for all the great work you've done.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that.
0: So tell me, tell me about your trip. Tell me, first of all, a meeting with, with the hostages that were released, what what surprised you the most as far as just, and what were the things that were the most troubling at the same time?
1: So it's a great question. So I just got back from uh, 12 days in Israel in which I basically morning tonight just went and met with hostages, families, hostages, hostages that have returned survivors of the massacre from the villages in the Kibbutzim survivors of the Nova festival. Um, basically p- political leaders, um Social justice warriors. I, I met with anybody that i that I possibly could. And there were a couple of things that stood up for me. First of all, it's very important to understand that Israel, at the moment, is a wounded nation. It's a wounded nation. What happened on October seventh was, we, we tend to say we call it a terrorist attack in America. And I think that's a little misleading because we, when we think of a terrorist attack, we think of one, two, three, four, five, six, nineteen 19 terrorists that are, um, yeah. uh, causing major damage or some damage. But we're not actually thinking of what went down in Israel. What went down in Israel was an invasion by essentially a battalion. These were 3,000, uh, trained terrorists that have, um, attacked Israel and went straight into civilian population and in such brutality and barbarism have uh, intended to not just inflict blood damage, but to inflict a psychological damage on uh, the Israeli community, the Jewish community around the world, and everybody, anybody who was um, privy to these atrocities. So the level of brutality that I have exhibited and the level of um, irreverence and violence is medieval.
0: I saw the forty-seven-minute film. Oh, you and did. What what, there you go. what what stuck with me beyond the atrocity and the and the barbarism, the glee. On the faces of the, of of these of the of these Hamasid animals, the joyousness, these, these the rapture as they were committing, yes,
1: yeah, that the, these creatures are not just saying, "Sure, we're going to slaughter a family and rape the mother in the face of the children, and then cut off her breasts and play football with them." We're going to just grab a drink afterwards and just laugh at what just happened. That's the level of brutality that we're dealing with. So we're dealing with a country that is very clear on what uh, has been attempted to have been done to her. In addition to that, and what was to me most inspiring is that they really messed with the wrong people. Because not only did it not create that Uh, Reaction of fear and raising your heads up, you know, hands up in the air and saying, "I can't deal with this level of evilness." It created a resolute attitude within the Israeli public that I have never seen before, and a unitedness that is extraordinary. I'll give you an example of a story that I haven't, I haven't posted that yet because I filmed everything, and people can follow my social media and see my journey and everybody that I met over there. I went to a rehabilitation center called um, Bet Levanstein. I went with four. Former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and I met with survivors of the massacre and heard the most horrific stories. But one story stood out to me the most. There was a girl there. Her name is Noam. She's 26 years old. She was uh, the artist in residence in the the Peace Festival in the Nova Peace Festival, and she's exactly what you would imagine: beautiful, mm-hmm. young, hippie, you know, tattooed, a lot of rings, you know, that kind of a, a girl that we all kind of yeah. we either know or know of, right? Sure. And she was telling me the story. She's in a wheelchair. She's going to be in the rehabilitation center for at least another year. She can't walk. Uh, Her and her boyfriend, David, were hiding in a trash container. There were 16 other kids that were hiding there, and three survived. And she was telling the story of how she heard the bullet coming in from here, and she heard her boyfriend dying, and there was a body that she was hiding underneath. Just told me the entire story that is really – I mean, I'm getting – chills down my spine right now. It really makes the hair on your back stand up. And at the end of the story, we're sitting there for an hour and we're crying and we're hugging. And she looks me in the eye and she goes, you know what, Noah, I got to tell you this though, we will dance again. We will dance again. And I was, I lost Uh, it. I lost it. And I think that's the attitude that, um, that people have there. They're very aware of the pain and they're saying for lack of a better word, f that we're going to survive and not only survive we're going to thrive
0: because that's that's in the israeli dna that's just that because they've had to have it and they do have it recent poll came out only 15 percent of people want netanyahu to continue uh when the war is over but they're united behind him in this wartime situation is that kind of fair to say as far as the psyche on the ground there
1: Yeah, very much fair to say, there was a lot of division in Israel before because uh, it's a democracy. Uh, It's a as well
0: as well there should be yeah yeah. And I know you've been very outspoken about the what happened with the judiciary. So yes, Netanyahu, uh, there's 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 a lot 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 on his doorstep. There's and there's blood on his hands.
1: Yes, and I said that very clearly uh, on on Bill Maher and in other places. I said this overhaul is an overreach and it's not going to pass, and it didn't. So Mm -hmm. that that's great. So there was a lot of division. And as soon as Hamas uh, invaded Israel, that went out the window. Everybody is beyond united. They are united right now behind the government while having reservations. Obviously, um, uh, th- their, the the biggest massacre since the Holocaust of Jews happened on their watch. So there are going to be some answers, uh, uh, questions to be answered. Not only
0: on their watch, one could say that they were doing things to facilitate it by letting Qatar give money to the terrorists who uh, out taking their eye off the ball. So not only on their watch, uh, complicit in certain ways.
1: There are a lot of conceptions that have failed. The conception, the main conception that have failed is the uh, projecting Western values onto a jihadi genocidal terrorist organization Meaning saying, well, maybe they do want to govern Gaza. Well, maybe they do when they tell us that they want to just be a political movement. Maybe they're telling the truth. And I think everybody woken up to that, understanding that Hamas sacrificed, basically sacrificed Gaza um, in this jihadi game of theirs. And we need to understand as Western civilization that we're dealing with a culture that is not like our culture
0: it is so important that, that you use that word jihad yeah. course what and, and I've said this on the air many many times and people unfortunately hear when you say, they're slaughtering Jews, and they're you know they're they're trying to from the river to see all those things. A lot of people here, not only this is full on deaf ears. There, we we know you've called it like I call it Jew hatred, not even anti-Semitism, Jew hatred. Yeah. The way to get people to wake up here is they're coming for you here also. This is an attack on Western civilization, on Western values, on humanity. They happen to be next door, but they they have the same venom, the same hatred, the same jihadist motives. Agenda, which are very, very clear to destroy all Jews, to destroy all non-extremist Muslim-valued people, and that's the way to wake people up over here
1: exactly and when you say stuff like that they accuse you of being some crazy radical right-winger and I that's why a lot of people are able to listen to me because I'm essentially a liberal and I wrote the book about Israel coming from a liberal point of view and just being listen if you have liberal values you need to be able to defend the liberal voices within the Muslim community that have been trying to tell us that there's an issue there for a very long time and a lot of the times the um, the kind of liberal American, or let's say the the more progressive kind of, I'll call it the more progressive woke attitude in America is you do you, you do you, there's no right or wrong. There's a, there's, there's the other side of every coin. And I'm very clean and clear that there's one side, which is, uh, American values, Western values, European values, human
0: human values, human human values. values,
1: and then on the other side, there's a jihadi culture. That is more interested in death than life. And I am there to say as a, as a liberal, that's bad. That's not just like my culture. So I do hope that people in America and, and around the world understand that it's not just Israel's problem. This is our problem right here too.
0: It's funny you said you're a liberal because I'm a liberal person and I'm one of the few people in, in the news media that has been very outspoken for Israel and very outspoken about anti-Semitism. You hear it on Fox. You don't hear it a lot on MSNBC where I'm on. You hear it, Joe Scarborough has done an amazing job and the co has done an amazing job. And I kind of comb the rest of the network, and there is uh, a tremendous silence on the issues. And what? Explain to me. Here's the here's the sad billion-dollar question. What and this is from the beginning of time. About the year. Why is it that the massacre of Jews, the killing of Jews, falls into a different space than any other group, where there needs to be context, where there needs to be reference points? Where what, whereas there and look, and we, we 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 know what's going on on the campuses. You've been very outspoken about it, and that that, that these presidents had to parse their words about the Jan. If they had put in the words any other group. The genocide of Catholics, the genocide of Muslims, the genocide of African Americans, the genocide of gays—there would be everybody's head would be spinning, and there'd be the heads would come off. Yet, for some reason, with Jews and Israel, there's a well, but or a yeah and try and as a human being to me, as a social scientist, as a Jew, as an activist, as a creative person, try and explain that to me.
1: It's, I call it, uh, it's with the asterisks. Yeah. it's, it's with an activist. Yeah. But you just put a little asterisk on it. So this is a huge question to unpack. unpack. So let me, let me go, just go back a couple of, couple of steps. First of all, um, anti-Semitism, which is anti-Jewish racism, essentially.
0: I call it Jew hatred. I don't think it's a good enough word anymore. Jew hatred. I've yeah. been, I I use Jew hatred now. I don't even do anti-Semitism anymore, but go ahead.
1: So... Here's the thing to understand. Um, Anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish racism or Jew hatred or whatever it is that you want to call it, this kind of like hatred of the Jews or suspicion of the Jews is not as simple uh, as as racism. So when you're racist towards somebody, usually that person kind of looks down at another race or ethnicity or sexual orientation or whatever. So you think you're better than somebody else. Anti-Semitism is a shape-shifting conspiracy theory. So in addition to kind of like punching... Down, it also punches up and it changes. So it's, it's, it sounds like, yeah, the Jews are the vermin of the earth and the blah, blah, blah. But it also sounds like, yeah, but the Jews also control like the banks and the media and the money and, and all of that. Both of these things, right? The thing about it is that throughout the generations, it always changed into something different, right? So first of all, the thing to understand is that Jew hatred has been around since the Jews have been around. The first, um, uh, accounts of antisemitism date back to Alexandria around 4 or 300 BC, where they were talking about this weird people that was having all these weird, um, customs and so on and so forth. So it goes back as its oldest time. So at first antisemitism was, um, more of a peoplehood based Then with the uh, emergence of uh, crea- of uh, Christianity because of of the death of Christ, it became more about a religious based anti Semitism. So the Jews killed Christ, and the Jews are killing young Christian children and drinking their blood. Then it moved into political and racial anti Semitism, which started before the Nazis, but then the Nazis took it. It's it's Peter Loger, It's uh, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Is the mayor of Berlin that had uh, the first, he was the first to try to, to use, uh, Jewish as a race, as a political agenda to get elected. And then the Nazis took that on and did, you know, we know what, um, and in recent years it shifted into anti-Zionism. So every, and it's not these, these four stages of antisemitism, which I've identified are not, they don't eliminate each other. They're one on top of the other. So we still have, uh, the old school right-wing antisemitism, like Jews, um, Uh, Using space lasers to burn California.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Which is very easy to identify. The the crazy right wing MAGA. Right. Okay. Right.
1: Very easy for everybody, all the liberals, to say, oh, that's bad. Right. Mm -hmm. But what Mm -hmm. is not easy for people to identify is the Zionists are bloodthirsty, evil colonialists. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy for that to be identified as anti-Semitism, which it is. So today's anti-Semitism is anti-Zionism. It's the most powerful form of it. And what happened to some extent is that, that Israel turned into the Jew of the world. So yes. Israel is now what the Jew was before. And people yes. are like, oh, it's fine. I'm not hating on the Jews. I'm just hating on Israel, which means nope, that when the, the Jews, Jews right. get slaughtered in Israel, people go – yeah, but like, what do they do to deserve that?
0: That's it. That was the first thing I said on the air that you people, I I said, why do they think on some level we deserve it? Why? Like, yeah. where is that? Like, they had it coming to them. Is it because it's the lighter skin and more well off versus the darker skin and less well off and it's oppressed or I mean, Bill Maher talked about that so articulately. Is it, what is it that the Jews seem to have it coming to them? That, you know they must have done something terrible, and and we could talk about every misnomer about colonization, about apartheid, about genocide, all the things, and you, we could rattle them off and say, no, it's not apartheid, and here's why: because there are two million uh, Arabs living in Israel, two of this nine million. It's not colonization because historically we can go and spend five hours why it's not. It's not genocide by any stretch of the imagination. The Jews value life, so what is it? That when this happened, the reaction in this country and what was so chilling for all of us Jews was that you walked around and people were kind of, "Eh, they had it coming to them. What the fuck is that?
1: Exactly, and as somebody who's been working in that field for a very, very long time—many, many, many years, almost two decades—sadly, I was not surprised even a little bit. And it's almost my attitude towards it is that if it wasn't so tragic, it would have been a little comical because those mm-hmm. people don't even understand a that they're fully anti-Semitic, b that they're rehashing blood libels from like the 1500s so it's like so mm-hmm. old, and c. They are, those people, those, those pro-Hamas demonstrators on campus, right? Those from the river to the sea, the assholes, right? They think they're speaking truth to power. They think they're taking down the patriarchy and the colonialist power. The man, the man the man the man. the man, the man, the man.
0: They're, they're taking and down they the man.
1: they don't even see that, first of all, to take, to actually take down the quote unquote patriarchy will cost you something. But what they're doing is picking on... The smallest marginalized community in the United States and in the world and the marginalized, the community that have been suffering the most from persecution throughout the last 3,000 years. So it's so ironic that what they think they're doing makes sense. It's like, it's painful.
0: Here's what worries me. And I, I asked, I said this on the air once. So I got some pushback from it. Hamas has been in charge for 15 years. We know what they teach in the school. We know that half the population is under the age of 18. We saw the reaction as the bodies of, of, of dead Israelis are being corpsed dro- driven through Gaza, the cheering. Somehow the world thinks like, okay, there's like 10,000 Hamas guys and we'll just get rid of those guys and there's 2 million innocent civilians. And my concern, my fear is what percent, of those 2 million Gazans have been radicalized. Well, I'm not saying it's their fault. This is where we are. And how do you ever get, and we everybody wants a two-state solution, how do you get a peaceful two-state solution if the 2 million people on this side, if, and according to the, the Pew poll pre all of this, there was 65%, I think, that were pro-Hamas, and you, you got to say it's even more than that. How do you ever get peace? That's what I lay awake at night sleepless about.
1: I lay awake at night sleeping about, like thinking about that as well. And this is the the education and indoctrination and brainwashing and radicalization of Palestinian textbooks through UNRWA and others have always been a part of uh, any negotiated deal uh, and have never been followed through. So we know what the textbooks are about. In my book, I talk about this. They use shaheeds uh, that have killed Zionists to uh, teach math, and so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, we need to remember that as much as Hamas took over Gaza by coup, they did win the elections. So mm-hmm. and and you know, so the, not that they held to power with like love and puppies, they held on to power with killing their opposition, but. They did win an election. There is a big part of the Palestinian people that has been radicalized. Um, and that will need to be reversed. And the entire world need to have stakes in this. Like the entire world needs to, you know, make make sure that th- th- there has to be some guarantees from the world at large that this doesn't happen again. UNRWA needs to be supervised, if not taken down entirely, because it's a, you know, it's a racket, but we can discuss that later. It's a whole mm-hmm. chapter in my book about UNRWA. Um, we know that in the Gulf states, because of the Abraham Accord, they've cleaned up their textbooks. Like it's doable. It's just a matter of leadership on the Palestinian side that wants to do it. And one of the things that I always say to my progressive friends, the ones that uh, always align themselves with social justice causes and, you know, whatever it is, is the the cause of the the jour, right, is instead of thinking that the only way for you to make a difference in the region is to bash Israel, how about holding the Palestinian accountable for some responsible leadership? Mm -hmm. Because that is the one thing that doesn't exist on the other side. It just doesn't exist, which is why as a liberal, it's very, it's very disheartening and it's very concerning. So I know that peace is possible because it's the only way forward to, to anything. It's not possible with jihadi culture. It's just not. It's, it's, if you kind of go, all right, let's just sit down with ISIS and try to make sense to them. You can't. You can't, and and the think that you can are is insane. They'll, you know, but there has to be a way to turn this ship around. We know that it's possible. It happened in a lot of places around the world when there was bloody conflicts for many, many years. And I'm, I'm going to remain hopeful that it that it happens over there, while being vigilant and continuing to call out um, the lies and the hypocrisy on, on 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 what's on what's happening in the region. And one of the one of one of the biggest ones is is uh, the vilification and demonization and dehumanization of Israel, Israelis, Zionists, the IDF. Um, you you touched on that before. D- to say to some of these people that are on on our side that are so brainwashed to say no, there's actually no apartheid. There's actually no. Um, Uh, genocide. There's actually no ethnic cleansing. There's, you know, to say that to them, they get very confused, (laughs) very confused.
0: You've been very outspoken about the genesis of what's happened on the college campus this year, that this is no accident that we find ourselves with universities, with the, the highest order of, of uh, intellectual rigored universities with this pro-Hamas, river to the sea, oppressor oppressed, all thing. And talk about the professors, the money that's been coming in, and how we've gotten here, that this is not an accident that this has happened.
1: Yeah, it's not an accident. So first of all, let's go back to the oppressor and oppressed for a second. You cannot paint the world. And if somebody if anybody that's listening to this podcast and over a certain age gets that, but if you're 18 years old, it seems like everything is Harry Potter. So it's all Voldemort and you know, it's all it's all either yeah. bad or, yeah. or good. You're, there when you think of the of, of the world when you judge the world based on oppressor and oppressed the Jews don't fit in that category they no. just don't because a lot of Jews are white passing in America they kind of look European the majority of Israelis don't by the way um, there is you know the the, the on one hand, we're not subjugated to the same um, discrimination that black Americans are. On the other hand, we've been the most discriminated against for thousands of years. So we're also not uh, Mm -hmm. afforded the same uh, privileges that white Christians have for thousands of years. So it's a very tricky thing and it's, it's got various, various colors. So first of all, you cannot put the Jews into that, those brackets at all. So number one, break them down. Number two, if you read one chapter from my book and one only, it's a chapter about BDS and it's the chapter that goes through the Genesis of how we got to where we got to on college campuses right now. And it shows very clearly that what's happening on college campuses with this vitriol anti Israel rhetoric and anti Israel actions and anti Semitism is not by accident, it's by design. Basically, and I had a, I testified in front of Congress about this a month ago. Yes. In a, yeah, in the Ways and Means Committee in a hearing titled um, The Nexus Between Campus Anti Semitism and Terrorism financing, and we testified in front of Congress, and people were extremely opening to open to listening the to listening to what we had to say. And then a couple of weeks later was that horrible hearing of the uh, presidents of the universities. And a couple of weeks later, two of the three are out. So there was actually mm-hmm. an. It's the first time in a very long time, in many many years, that I feel like people are actually listening to what we have to say. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Israel's enemies, meaning people that have sponsored and are known to have sponsored Hamas, backed by countries that we know don't want Israel to exist. I don't even need to name them, we know who they are, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. have concluded that they will not be able to take Israel down militarily because they tried in, you know, 48 and fifty-sifty 54, 57, 50, 70, 67, 73. They've tried many, many times and were unable to do that. And they're going to shift their um, uh, agendas from taking Israel down militarily to taking Israel's legitimacy to exist down because we know that in the past few decades or whatever, countries have not fallen because of military campaigns that have fallen because of um, geopolitical shifts and changes within or without.
0: Yes, communications campaigns, exactly. right.
1: So, you know, South Africa, Czechoslovakia, whatever it is, just like mm-hmm. shaken. So, they have devised a plan starting from 2006 onwards that is based on whatever, I don't want to get into too many details, but basically to convince young American minds that Israel does not have a right to exist, by all means possible. And this is using a language that was uh, first kind of devised in the Conference Against Racism in Durban in 2001, a conference that became so anti-Semitic that both America and Israel walked out of, because it was all about that and it was leaning on a Soviet Union um language and propaganda of 1975 UN resolution that tried to brand Zionism as racism. So they've taken all these languages and they're like, all right, Zionism is racism, Jews are racists, Israel is a racist country, it shouldn't exist. Israel's, is, you know, um it's an apartheid regime similar to south Mm -hmm. africa we need to take it down and they have put so much money and so much effort into college campuses how
0: explain explain how how well there was an
1: organization and and like again you can listen to my my testimony everything is is laid down Mm -hmm. very um very clearly there basically there were three organizations that in 2001, the FBI took down because of their connection to Hamas sponsoring. So they basically, it was a, a kind heart. Um, um, I forgot the name. There are two. Uh, I'll remember in a second, were three organizations that okay. were right, broken right. down, taken down by the FBI in 2001 after September 11, because they found that they're sponsoring terrorism. People that were connected to those organizations, basically these organizations dispersed. Five of them um, were tried in America, couple of them ran out of the country. Three of them are actually uh, serving time in American prisons because of their connection to, to Hamas and to terror sponsoring. A lot of the people that were a part of those organizations have broken down and dispersed and reemerged in the form of two organizations. One of them called AMP, which is American Muslims for Pal- Palestine. And the other one is called SJP which is the biggest proponent of AMP, which is Students for Justice in Palestine, which is the organization mm-hmm. that is responsible yes. for all the crap that we see all on college yes. campuses. Yes. AMP provides material support and other support to, a- to SJP. The people come over, they're the ones that are creating like apartheid week in campuses. Mm-hmm. No, you have to remember, again, saying apartheid week in campus to begin with is a lie it's a blood libel it it just it just is but that went down and went on in campuses since 2006 pretty much uninterrupted and a lot of people within the jewish community pro israel community jews non-jews israeli government israelis living in america kind of thought that this would go away they're like well they'll get out of college and they'll be fine they'll they'll get over it but what they didn't understand is, for example, a lot of these organizations, so with BDS, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, and AMP, SGP, mm-hmm. Students for Justice in Palestine on campus, would, for example, bring up resolutions, a BDS resolution on college campus, bring it up for a vote, right? And there'll be like a lot of debate and yes or no, and the campus is voting for or against boycotting Israel, basically not having any relationship with Israel, academic or otherwise. And What people didn't understand is that it didn't matter for them whether the vote passed or not. Because what does it even mean that the campus is voting to boycott Israel?
0: It's just that it's out there and it's in the the vernacular.
1: Exactly. So if you're voting on campus to boycott Israel, then when it comes up in your city hall or in Congress, you've already voted for or against it. So it's already okay to even be debated. And that is mm-hmm. the thing that we need to go back as Israel is the only country in the world that her existence is being questioned. What are you talking about? What, like, what, what do you mean Israel doesn't have the right to exist? Oh, so Israel's is the only country in the world that doesn't have the right to exist. Oh, well, there's a name for that. And it's called anti-Semitism. So all of that is rooted in deep, Jewish, um, suspicion, just basically suspicion of, of Jewish, um, self sovereignty and self determination. And what we're seeing now is basically activation of like decades of, of work that they've put in mostly uninterrupted. So hopefully that's over now.
0: I also have been very, uh, irate and outspoken on the air and when this first happened about the stunning silence from Hollywood, from our institutions, yeah from Hollywood, from, at the time, college campus, universities, from corporations. Why is it so verboten? I I, I could give you my point of view. I want to hear from you that a corporate CEO can come out as well they should in dramatic support of Black Lives Matter, which, which, which is, thank God that happened. But in the case of slaughtering of Jews, could not come out and say this is a problem we got to do something about it. It, it try and explain it i'd love to hear your explanation for it
1: well it's kind of simple because the the hearts and minds of young american people have been poisoned against israel for like 20 30 years people are they're ceoing by twitter they're ruling they're 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 governing by twitter they are the the um, celebrities and media people are afraid of the wrath of Twitter. And I say Twitter, I mean the colloquially, right? All social media. And they just don't want to touch it.
0: I, I get the CEOs because, I uh, CEOs I get because they have, they run public companies and they can't be in a position to have their products boycotted no matter how they feel personally. And I get certain, but the ones I can't get, and we're not going to name any names here, are what I'll call these mega celebrities who are worth billions, who... People are not going to stop going to them. They're, they're past. They're they're not vulnerable anymore. You know, I mean, there's a there's a handful. And we're and the, what's amazing when you look at the only people out there speaking, it's Michael Rappaport, it's Deborah Messig, it's you, it's me, it's it it's uh there's like you can name them. It's just it's it's insane. And you just go, is it because we have nothing to lose? We don't give a shit. Uh is it because I don't get why there's not, I get why in mass they're not doing it. I don't get why there's not a list of 50 who are behind it and who are much more outspoken as Jews.
1: So first of all, I like to look at the half, uh, the glass half full, because I've been doing this for 20 years. And I got to tell you, up until October 7th, it was virtually impossible to get anybody to do anything. So... Even the people that we have now, and it's incredible that Michael Rapaport and Deborah Messing and Amy Schumer and Chelsea Handler and like, there are a lot of people that have that have basically come out of the closet as Zionists.
0: And Julia Margulies took so much shit; it was amazing the shit that she took. She said sh- she said some stupid things. She she, she didn't I, I I she 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 didn't her the motives were right. She set herself up to get whacked, but all she was doing was being brave. All she was doing was being brave.
1: This is unbelievable and this is something that i hear a lot so a lot of people tell me like oh my god you're so brave right for doing what you're doing this is for, for many many years like not you know it's not new and yeah, i'm right. always a little like resentful of that because to me defending the single consistent democracy in the middle east shouldn't be considered brave it should be considered like the yeah. low-hanging fruit <laughs> like the least brave mm-hmm. thing in the world to do i and, and, and yet, and yet it is because the public has been so poisoned because of the kind of like breeding ground of antisemitism and anti-Jewish kind of, and Jewish hate that into that Israel falls and people are like, ugh, I don't want to touch that at all. And it's unfortunate, but again, there are a lot more people that have connected to their Jewish identity. I think that, um, I feel like a lot of people's like Jewish DNA kicked in and they rightfully so uh, have uh, realized, which is something that I've been working on for a long time, that we live in a world in which it's not just accept, not just accepted, but expected to be proud of your identity, whatever it is, and rightfully so to be proud of it. But when it comes to being Jewish, (laughs) we have been trained as the Jewish community to not be proud. And I'm kind of done with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad of that there are yeah. quite a lot of people that have had the same feeling of a DNA awakening. Because sadly, the Jewish community, know, we, know, we know what it means to be persecuted. And something happened on October yeah. 7th. And the stories that we've all heard from our grandparents became real. And we heard stories of really, children it, hiding in closets and mothers raped. Like we heard these stories of the Kozaks, of Kishinev, basically, and pogroms and Holocaust. That a lot of a lot in the Jewish community have woken up and are willing to uh, take our seat at the table. Basically,
0: I remember somebody, somebody I work with, or she came in from work, and her twelve year old daughter said to us, "Is there going to be another Holocaust here?" I mean, that's what that's the nerve it hit, and people afraid to yep. put the mezuzahs on and my daughter told me a chilling story where she was uh she was in a uh, uber and she asked what time uh are we lighting the hanukkah candles and i said be home at 6 30 whatever it was and she hung up and she got nervous because she was oh my god the driver is gonna know i'm yeah. jewish and she called me hysterical should i get it and i said yeah fucking getting out of the car and you, you never hide that and but that's what's particularly young people who are further away from the Holocaust and it's the first sniff of it that they got.
1: Also to the realization that our grandparents were right (laughs) and it's going Mm -hmm. to happen again again. and it can happen again. And Mm -hmm. I, I call it the atrocities of October 7th and the atrocities of October 8th because this pogrom happened on October 7th and the next day we saw who congratulated Hamas for a well done job.
0: Give me the next eighteen months and paint paint a positive picture for me.
1: So it's an interesting question because I, I can't I can't really quantify it with time, but I can tell you this. Sadly, um, it's going to get worse before it gets worse. So we are mm-hmm. up. We're, we're we're about we're this is not going to end soon. Like this war is not going to end soon. The, the we're we're in we're in it for the long haul. Um, both in the region and in America, like what needs to be undone now is going to take a minute. It's not going to be solved with like a crisis management team or like a kind of like a conference weekend. It's, it's going to be a while like to undo the poisoning of the West against Israel and against the Jews is going to take, take a while to finish Hamas is going to take a while. We have hostages that are still held by terrorist organizations with accounts of what's happening to the women and men there that are, exactly your wildest nightmares happening to yeah. c- citizens, young people. There's a, a child who just turned one in captivity, a baby, Kfir Bibas was, he, he celebrated his first birthday in captivity. God knows where he is and his brother is four years old and their mom. Right? So this is, this is happening right now and it's, and Hamas being um, as psychotic as they are, uh, they just think that we're, they're doing all of us a favor by killing everybody and killing themselves. So this is what we're going to be dealing with there. Um, so in the in the short term, we need to brace ourselves as uh, it, the Jewish community, the non Jewish community, the pro Israel community, the Christian community, whatever whoever you are. We need to take a deep breath and know that it's going to take a minute. But in the long term, this is not our first rodeo. <laughs> so unfortunately. unfortunately but i'm I'm kind of like in the long term, I know that this is gonna make our community and the world better and stronger. I know that when we're, we're gonna learn whatever it is that we're gonna learn from this and I know there's a concept in psychology which i'm gonna'm st- st- starting to work with and on which co- which is called it's post traumatic um growth so. Interesting. after the trauma and the post-trauma there's a sp- if you if you process it properly if you work with what you were given if you learn from what was done and are committed to that growth there's a post-traumatic growth that will happen to our community and the world in the next few years and decades and i'm excited to be a part of it i'm excited to help it manifest and i don't feel sorry for a second for those who messed with us like Hamas. Is, we know how it ends for them. Not going to end well for them.
0: Uh, Noah I am uh, with you on all the half full glass stuff and it's been a privilege to talk to you. Keep up the good work. It's 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 inspirational.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, having me.